So thanks so much. We've got Joe Callender here with us today, and she's brought Jazz. So it's good to have you here, Jazz. Thanks so much for traveling to be with us today as uh, we go into our second session of Holy Spirit. We're focusing on the Holy Spirit this year. We had that word from Roger Ellis in July last year to say, guys, you've got the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit, but you can do more to steward the presence of the Spirit and to take the Spirit out into our community. So we, as leaders, we took that word and we want to run with it this year um, to say we're going to really just, we want to know the Holy Spirit more in our heads. Hopefully some of that will trickle down into our hearts and into our feet and into our hands. Come on. So we're coming off the back of a really great week. Put your hand up if you were in the prayer room this week. And keep your hand up if you enjoyed your time in the prayer room this week. <laughs> well done, everyone. You know, we want to say a massive thank you. They're not here, unfortunately, this morning, but a massive thank you. Send your love and appreciation to, to Emma Riddle, particularly, and to Imkia um, Groom, who just did a fantastic job with that space, pulling it all together, tearing it all apart. We have to have a quick change in there. We're still longing. I hope some of you prayed that we would have a permanent prayer room again, and we're still longing for breakthrough in that time. But right now, it was great to have it this week. So thanks also to Fresh Hope Community Church. If you see Steve Bud around or Helen Bud, say, we had a great time in your prayer room. Thanks so much. So yeah, they did a great job, and it was a brilliant, brilliant time. Uh, I know I've heard from Scott uh, already this week with exciting stories of breakthrough. Ask him about that, praying with Joshua, punching through the, the tissue paper. So do ask him about that. And we're also coming off an exciting week because do you know what happened yesterday? Who knows what happened yesterday? It's to do with this map, and you can see that this is a map of every road and every house in Stamford, Hope, and Corringham. And you see how every little piece is colored in. What that means is, as of yesterday, as a church and with church, other churches in Corringham and Stamford, we have prayed on every street in our town. And we did it in 12 months. The first one was March 2022. The last one was yesterday, February 2023. So in 12 months, not even 12 actually, it's 11 because we didn't do December or August, the 10. So we have, John Peters really had a heart for this, has driven it forward. He took us on every step. And so thank you, John, for leading us in that. And um, it's brilliant. And John, what's happening now? Start again next month. <laughs> so Joe. Are you ready to come and join me? So this is Joe. You'll remember Joe's face. Unfortunately, we missed Joe's presence with us when she, when she did lead our learning uh, through Simplicity, Love and Justice in 2020. Maybe that was even March 2020. It literally was the COVID month. So we just missed out on Joe then, but we're so glad to have you here with us now. Um, Joe is the Director of Communications for 24-7 Prayer. And she's here with us today. Um, Joe, thank you so much for coming and being with us. Um, I first know Joe. I remember when I was working with, for 24-7 Prayer, and Joe wasn't at the time, and we had some, we put together some like um, different 24-7 Prayer sort of national days across Great Britain. We had one in Scotland. We had one in, uh, in Guildford. And I was looking at, I was sort of the, Brian's dog's body at the time, and I would have all the sort of admin jobs, and I had the list of everyone who was coming. And it's interesting to notice a name like Calendar, 
Because if you've ever seen it written down, you think that's not spelled right. <laughs> that's like that thing you have on your phone or on the wall, but it's spelled wrong. So I noticed it then. And then when I found out that Joe had got a job with Twimson Prayer in the communications team, I was so pleased. I don't think I've ever told you this. I was so pleased because I was like, that is so good that someone who is clearly just all in for 24-7 prayer already, that they would give up like a Saturday or whatever to go to this thing, just to be more, to pray for our nation, to invest in the movement, to want to take the movement from where they are right now over to somewhere else. I was just like, that is so good. And now she's still here and she's still doing it. So thank you so much, Joe. There you go. Brilliant. We're going to pray for Joe. And I'll just hand over to you, okay? Thank you, Lord, for, for Joe. Thank you for all that you're doing in her, all that you've spoken into her, all that she is really digging into right now, God. And I thank you so much that she's able to come to us and share some of that with us today. Lord, we want to catch the fire that's in Joe and bring it to Stanford. And we want to spread it around here. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence with us. We recognize your presence in this room. And we know that when your presence comes in, talked about it last month, God, that it can give us boldness, that it can encourage us, that it can strengthen us. And I pray that you do that for Joe this morning. Amen. Thanks so much, Christy. And it's so nice to be here. I am genuinely so happy to be back. So the first time I ever came to Stanford La Hope, I had just started in the communications team. I think, Sally, you invited me, right? And it, I think I'd only been at 24-7 for six months, nine months. It was within my first year working at 24-7 Prayer. And I arrived and I was just like, what's going on here? <laughs> I actually arrived in the middle of a prayer week when you did have a permanent prayer room. And I stayed in the house. And helpfully, um, Sally and or Rob had signed me up for like a 2 a.m. prayer slot. Do you remember this? And I was like, oh, thanks, guys. Um, so glad to join in. But I had the best time. And I think the thing that really struck me about um, this community who were just, I think, Stanford La Hope before, not your proximity, um, was just the way that you gathered to eat and share life together and just gathered around tables and it made me feel so at home. So I loved it. I stayed here for a couple of days. I got to join in with all of the stuff that was going on in the schools. I remember doing stuff with you, Charles. It was so much fun. And it was honestly just such a blessing for me to see the way that 24-7 prayer is outworked in those situations. And then as Chrissy's already alluded to, I did try to come back. <laughs> But sadly, COVID stopped us from meeting and I had to record my talk, which was not as fun. So I am so happy to be here. It's so nice to be part of you and so nice to be in this great place that you've got as well. So thanks. Um, as I said, something I really appreciated about my time here before was the spirit of vulnerability and honesty that you guys were fostering around tables. And I love that. And so in the spirit of vulnerability and honesty, I'm going to be really honest about what happened when Wendy asked me to come and share. So Wendy emails me, says, we'd love you to come and share in 2023. And I was so excited because I was like, yes, I haven't been to Stanford La Hope in so long. It'll be so nice to come. Can't wait to be with you. And then she said what we were going to be sharing on. And she said, the title of the session is, operating in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of miracles, healing, and faith. 
And honestly, my heart kind of sank a little bit. <laughs> I know that's not what I'm supposed to say at the start of this session, but I was like, actually, wow, miracles, healing, and faith. Oh no, we've got a, <laughs> a sick baby. <laughs> Hope, you're still in the show. <laughs> oh, bless you. Oh. I was going to say, probably, yeah. Um, so I basically was not sure what to say when I received the session because over the past few months, I've just been feeling this sense of like, where are the miracles? Where is the healing? What is going on and why am I not seeing it? It's not what I've been seeing. It's not what I've been experiencing. So if you guys are sitting here and maybe you're like, miracles and healing yeah, they sound great, but I'm not really sure where to look. I'm really with you. <laughs> I really get it. And this is the thing. I started prepping for this talk a, a month or so ago and realized that God reveals a lot to us when we start looking. There's something really beautiful about the kindness of God in revealing something of his character as we start looking. I've been blown away over this month by God's kindness as I've arrived feeling quite daunted, actually, about miracles, healing, and faith, and really seeing something of God at work. And I think that's my prayer for us today, that as we sit, as we listen, as we chat together, as we start experiencing the beauty of God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit, that we'll begin to feel faith rising up in us. So I'm just going to pray for us again now. Holy Spirit, you know what we're walking into this room with. Some of us might be faithful, full of excitement, full of anticipation, really eager to see all of the miracles and healing that you're going to do in our lives. Some of us might feel like this is a bit tough, a bit challenging, a bit not sure where to begin. Holy Spirit, you know all of this. We invite you to come and be with us and speak to us and draw close to us in this space. Amen. So if we go on to the next slide, which is just a title slide. The Holy Spirit, powerful and present. One of my favorite things to do, and you will know this if you spend any amount of time with me, is to talk about the power of stories. This is partly because I am an avid storyteller. There is nothing I love more than coming home at the end of my work day. I have one flatmate, she's called Hannah, she's amazing. She would be here except that she's currently snowshoeing in the Pyrenees which is wild, and that's why Jazz is here. <laughs> Thank you, Jazz. Um, but I love coming back to Hannah at the end of the day and saying, hey, Hannah, guess what I did today? And she has to sit and listen to me telling her, I mean, more than a couple of stories about what's happened in my day. Hannah is not like that. So I'll be like, how was your day, Han? And she'll be like, 
yeah, it was all right. And I'll be like, cool. And then have to go back and ask her question upon question. But the thing about telling stories is that you get to know one another and you get to do life together. And that is one of my favorite things. Stories are powerful because they connect us to one another. And they also connect us to the bigger picture that we're part of. And when it comes to being Christians, the Bible is the most important story that reminds us of the bigger picture that we're part of. And that's where I want to start with the Holy Spirit. To understand the power and the presence of the Spirit, we need to pay attention to what we've already seen of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Just as we learn about God from the Bible and about Jesus through the Gospels, we can learn about the Spirit through Scripture. And so I've picked some, not all, of the key moments in Scripture where we see the Spirit at work. And we're going to go through them on the screen through the Bible verses. And I don't think any of these will be new to us, but it's sometimes just a really good idea to root and grind ourselves in actually the story of Scripture and to see the character of the Spirit through that. So the first one, I'm literally starting at the very beginning. <laughs> Genesis 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Beginning of Scripture, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is there, hovering there is this anticipation that we see right at the very beginning of our story that the Spirit is in our midst. And then if we skip forward to, there are lots of other examples in the Old Testament, but I've skipped forward to my favorite verse, I think, in the Christmas story, which is from Luke chapter 1. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And I think we get so excited at Christmas about like the arrival of the angel that we forget about the miracle that the Holy Spirit is the one who creates Jesus as a human. <laughs> and it just blows my mind right at the beginning of the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is the one at work. And not just at work in Jesus' birth, if we go to the next one. This is at Jesus' baptism, so the very start of Jesus' ministry. As he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. <laughs> And I mean, I could probably do a whole preach just on this actual verse. It's remarkable that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, who we already know is the Son of God, and yet the Holy Spirit comes. There is such power and potential there. And not just descending on Jesus at his baptism, literally in the next verses, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus, who is God, was filled by the Spirit of God and then led into the wilderness where he's then tempted. 
There is so much power in Jesus at this moment. The Holy Spirit is so present within Jesus's life. And then the next verse um, is actually relating to Jesus' resurrection. So we know Jesus died, was resurrected three days later. But Romans says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. We're going to come back to the rest of that verse in a minute, but I wanted to go to the last one, which I think is probably the one we most associate with the Holy Spirit, which is in Acts. And Jesus is saying this to his disciples before his ascension. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit was in Jesus, resurrected Jesus, is going to arrive and come to the disciples and spark the growth of the church. All that to say, the Holy Spirit is at the heart of all of the pivotal and monumental moments of scripture, their creation, the birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the growth of the early church. This is the bigger story that we're part of. The Holy Spirit is alive and active in the Bible. And what we get to discover today is that it doesn't stop there. As we just read in Romans, and if we can go back to that one, that'd be great, thanks. Um, the same spirit that raised Jesus is living in us. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And at this point, I can't actually continue until I tell you that this always reminds me of a song in the Lion King musical or in The Lion King 2. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, people are nodding. That's good. Um, if we were in the early noughties, I would get a clip and then I'd put it on the screen and then we'd all watch it and then I'd say something profound. I don't, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I will tell you some of the lyrics. The song is called He Lives in You. The lyrics are, there's no mountain too great. Hear these words and have faith. He lives in you. He lives in me. He watches over everything we see. And I would love to make some kind of grandiose Christian analogy there, but I'm not going to. I just wanted to acknowledge that that song is in the back of my head and probably now for anyone who knows it, in your head too. So enjoy that as I continue. <laughs> but sometimes I think we treat the Holy Spirit just as someone who's in the room with us. And we use phrases like, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And that's not incorrect. In fact, it's really good to acknowledge the Holy Spirit who is in this place. But Paul emphasizes that the beautiful thing about being a Christian isn't just that Jesus died to forgive us, but we get the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in us. And 
just a reminder that Paul was writing to Christians who knew the scriptures really well. A lot of them had been Jews. And so this concept is revolutionary. The presence of God in the Old Testament was in the temple. They created the temple for the presence of God. And even then, only a high priest could access the innermost room once a year to discover the presence of God. Now Paul is making the point that because of Jesus, we get to become the temple. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The same Holy Spirit in the Bible is at work in us today. And so we're going to pause and reflect. I've got a couple of moments across this morning where we're going to discuss together. And this one, we've just got a couple of minutes, but I'd love you to break into small groups and just ask the question, what is your current experience of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, either in you or in the world? This is probably the perfect time to share stories from your prayer week. (laughs) But also, um, to be really honest, if you're like, you know what, I'm not sure, that's okay too. So um, I'd love us just take a couple of minutes and just turn and be like, actually, where am I experiencing or not experiencing the Holy Spirit at the minute? always really reluctant to tell people to stop talking (laughs) when there's probably loads of encouraging things happening in the room. (laughs) I am assuming that there have been some good conversations. Hopefully some of them have been positive, maybe some of them less so. That's all okay. The idea is that we're fostering honesty in the room. I think the reality is that when we think of the Holy Spirit at work in the world today, so thinking of the bigger picture, we don't necessarily think of miracles and healings. In fact, when we look at some of the things going on in the world today, it can often feel like the opposite of miracles and healing. It's been a year since the war in Ukraine began. There are daily stories about cost of living crises and the impact that they're having on us. And as I alluded to at the beginning, I haven't exactly felt super faith-filled at the minute. And one of the reasons is because in the 24-7 prayer staff team, there's actually been some really tough stuff going on. People going through really difficult things and us having to journey through that. And I'm sure in this room, it's probably the same. There are probably really big challenges happening as well as really big joys. And when we look at that, sometimes it can feel hard really hard. And this is where we have to ask the difficult question, how can we look at scripture and all of the amazing things that the Holy Spirit does? The Spirit who catalyzed the growth of the early church with the current reality that we live in. Well, I'd like to suggest there is a very practical reason, if you want to skip to the next slide. And C.S. Lewis writes in his book, actually called Miracles, the very conception of a common and therefore a stable world demands that miracles should be extremely rare. The very conception of a common 
and therefore stable world demands that miracles should be extremely rare. Not everything we pray for will immediately or supernaturally happen. And this is the reality of the world that we live in, which isn't always the news that we want to hear. We might not understand as humans why this is the case, why sometimes we're praying for things and they do not happen. And for further resources, and a shameless plug from me, there are two really good video sessions on the prayer course and the unanswered prayer course that you guys might have seen already, but they explore the concept of unanswered prayer in more detail. And I don't have time to go into all of those, but I'd really recommend that you check them out if it's something that you're thinking and processing at the minute. And even if you've seen them before, they are definitely worth a rewatch. In terms of miracles specifically, though, the world God has created is infinitely complex. And if miracles happened all the time, firstly, they wouldn't deserve their name. And secondly, the world that we live in would be a lot less ordered and a lot more chaotic. But C.S. Lewis notes in this quote that miracles should be extremely rare. And rare is not never. And honestly, I think that for many of us, the rarity of miracles isn't actually the problem that we're facing. I think honestly, the reality is, many of us have prayed for miracles and prayed for healing, and it just hasn't happened. We've put all of our energy and effort into praying for something to happen, and we've been disappointed. I'm speaking here actually primarily to myself. I'm saying this because we in our friendship group have just spent a really long time praying for a friend of ours to get a flat. For many reasons it would take far too long to get into, we find ourselves praying for a miracle, that there would be breakthrough in the process, that something would change, that things could just keep moving along and happening. And along the way, we saw moments of success. We even saw things that God was saying that felt like, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. But then two weeks ago, everything fell through. And we have no idea why. We don't know what's ahead. But our months of praying took energy, time, and investment, and have ended in us being sad. I'm nearly certain that I'm not alone. <laughs> I think in this room there are probably stories that many of us could share of disappointment and difficulty. And it's in those kind of moments that, honestly, we think, is praying for miracles even worth it? <laughs> Maybe it's easier sometimes to think we could just put it in a box for another time, or assume that other people, other Christians are praying for that to happen and we don't have to, that it's okay that we can just put that into a box and not think about it too much. In our own strength as humans, miracles and healing can sometimes feel impossible. But moving on to something a little bit brighter, this is where I think faith comes in. If we go into the next slide, I'm reading from the message here, Hebrews 11 verses one and two. The fundamental fact of existence 
is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. And it's especially when we're facing disappointment, sadness, or unanswered prayer that we need to be reminded of the significance of faith. Or I love how the message puts it in this verse, our handle on what we cannot see. Hebrews 11 is a great place to start because it details so many examples in scripture of ordinary people who trusted in God beyond their human understanding. And sometimes the miracles and healings didn't happen for years. Sometimes they didn't happen the way they were expecting either. And that's what I think faith is. It's believing in God's goodness and steadfast presence even when we don't see the miracles we're hoping for or believing for. To circle back to where we started, I think it's believing that the Holy Spirit is still dwelling in us, even when we don't feel it, especially when we don't feel it. But I also think it's worth noting that miracles and healing don't always look like what we want them to. We expect God to work in one specific way or to do one specific thing and to do it in exactly the way we think it's going to happen in our minds. This is very rarely how God works. Sometimes it comes in unexpected places. We see undeniable examples of what God is doing when we weren't even looking. (laughs) I'm going to tell a story that we can't add to the recording. Is that okay? Great. I'll tell you when I'm done. (laughs) In my brief for the session, I was asked to bring stories from the global 24-7 prayer movement of miracles and healings. And I'd love to come and say, thousands of people are coming to know Jesus, or this many people got healed at a conference. That's actually not what I'm going to tell you. But I still believe that in the things I'm about to say, There are beautiful and miraculous stories of God at work. In our team in Lebanon, um, who are a really small team, we've got a graphic designer who is so passionate about doing graphic design and is doing it in Arabic. And she's reporting to us that it's not just in Lebanon people are seeing her Bible verses. People across the Arab-speaking world are encountering these Bible verses and sharing them. The impact of those is going way further than she originally expected. What a beautiful thing. Last year, I, in November, spent a couple of weeks in Vancouver with our Canadian team, and they were running a conference in Canada. And when I arrived, they were like, we really need to pray. 50 people have signed up, and we were expecting loads more. So we paused. And we prayed, and within seven days, the number of people attending went from 50 to 250 in the room, with a further 100 people online. What a beautiful thing. 
And in Peru, where the Taylor family left us a year ago to go and start 24-7 prayer in Peru, they have seen incredible opportunities opening up where they live. The church that they joined less than a year ago just ran a week of nonstop 24-7 prayer, which in itself is amazing, but even more so because the Taylor family weren't even in the country. They had actually gone to Florida and the church had run a 24-7 prayer week without them. And now other church leaders in Cusco, where they are based, want to know how to do it too. What a beautiful thing. And I just wonder what would happen if we stop limiting what miracles are. What if, rather than expecting them to be a certain thing, we ask God to show us the miracle stories he's writing in our lives and in the lives of the people around us? What if partnering with God could open up doors of opportunity in places we never expected? And yes, we do need to keep praying for our friends who want to buy flats. And yes, we need to keep asking God to heal those who are sick. And we absolutely need to keep praying for people to come to know Jesus, which is the ultimate miracle. But I think we also need to ask God, what are you already doing here? Holy Spirit, what are you stirring in me? What are you stirring in us? And so I'd love us to pause and talk. I've got three questions this time, so we've got a bit longer. Where have you been disappointed by unanswered prayer for the miraculous or healing? And then, where have you experienced the miraculous or healing power of the Spirit? And then finally, what is the Holy Spirit stirring in you to pray for or to do? So I'd love us to pause and spend some time talking about those. you guys want to draw your conversations to a close I'm aware I asked three very big questions so I'll be surprised if everybody got through them all but hopefully it's led to some good honest chat and some thinking so I'm coming on to my favorite part the Holy Spirit in community and one of my favorite things about living as a Christian is that I don't have to try and live out my faith by myself. We get to do this together, as we've already experienced, by chatting together honestly about the encouragements and the disappointments. And I think this has always been really true for me. So I grew up and went to church with my family, but then they decided they didn't want to go anymore when I was a teenager. So I ended up being the only Christian in my household. And so I was a teenager rebelling against my parents by going to church, which is the opposite way around, I think, to most people. Um, But because of this, I've always felt this special, beautiful connection about Christian community. So when I was a teenager, I had a 
brilliant group of Christian friends. I grew up in Northern Ireland um, where there are a slightly higher number of Christians than most places. So in my school, if you weren't a Christian, you weren't as cool, um, which is so weird, <laughs> but was really encouraging to me as the only Christian in my house getting to spend time with Christians who were friends. And then when I went to university, I got super plugged into my local church and really, really loved it. And then when I moved to Guildford to work at 24-7 Prayer seven years ago, which is wild, I almost was overwhelmed <laughs> by working with Christians and also going to church. It almost felt like too much, but so beautiful that we get to do Christian faith together. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians, uses collective language to explain how the Holy Spirit is at work, not just in individuals, but as a community. Don't you realize all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you, plural, cue Lion King music. Something beautiful happens when we invite the Holy Spirit to dwell amongst us together when we seek God, not just in our quiet times or our individual prayer slots, but actually together in our meeting spaces. <laughs> Inviting the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit together as a community, remarkable things can happen. And this has been seen most recently with the Asbury Revival in the States. Two weeks ago in Kentucky, a group of students experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in their chapel meeting, and it led to 400 hours of non-stop prayer and worship. It's been all over the news in the States and actually in our Christian things as well, and um, it's believed that over 50,000 people have come to Asbury over the past couple of weeks to see what God has been doing there. A couple of days in, 24-7 Prayer worked with a charity called Revive Europe to host a live stream with some of the students. Hands in the air, people were there. <laughs> yeah, some people were on the call um, to um, hear what was going on. Now, the call was actually supposed to be a workshop for students across Europe to learn how to run a 24-7 prayer room. But then when everything started happening in Asbury, they decided, oh my goodness, how fun would it be to get testimonies from students who are there on the call? And I joined because I had two for work, but also was very excited to hear what was going on, of course. And when I was listening in, I was blown away just by like the simplicity of the stories. And I'm just going to share one with you from a student called Grace. Um, and Grace was initially skeptical about going. I think she actually said the phrase, I don't think this is what revival looks like which I thought was really honest. And she went to her coffee shop work shift as usual. And then she went to the chapel with a friend afterwards. And she said this, within 20 minutes, I was in tears and on my knees. I was like, God, this is the most physically I felt you in my life. This is what it means to be the church. This is what it means to fall in love with Jesus. This is what it means to follow him. This is what it means to be the church. This is what it means to fall in love with Jesus. This is what it means to follow him. So beautiful. She wasn't talking about something that was like wildly crazy. She was talking about the peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in community. 
and draws us together closer to Jesus. And some of the stories that I've heard from the revival are things that we will know as Christians. People experiencing the presence of God just by sitting quietly. People just asking for forgiveness. People receiving God's love and feeling loved by God. Something beautiful happens when we create an environment that is open to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. People are attracted to the power and the presence of the Spirit in our midst. I started preparing for this session about a month ago, and this was before the Asbury Revival started. And also, as I have said many times now, without much faith of miracles happening in my life, And then two weeks ago in my small group, um, we have a normal structure of meeting every week, going through the Bible, and then asking for prayer and praying with one another. And my friend Becca asked us for prayer for her shoulder, which had been really tense and painful. So she is a designer, which means that she does a lot of drawing on a stylus, and yeah, literally Christy, she like hunches over it. And she had got to the point where actually just using her arm like this was really, really painful. And she was especially anxious because her mum had had a similar thing that had led to long-term damage. And her mum had had to go on like an ongoing like journey of physio and it had taken a lot out of her. And Becca was really scared that the same thing was happening to her. So she asked us for prayer and we all got into our prayer positions. As you know, everyone's got a prayer position. And I was thinking in my head, I'm definitely not going to pray for Becca because I haven't seen much breakthrough recently. I'm not really sure I can do this. I'm going to let someone else. But one of the other members of our group, this guy called Paul, he literally did the opposite. So we were all like this in our prayer positions. He got up and walked across the room. I actually thought he was going to the toilet. Um, But he went over, put his hand on Becca's shoulder and prayed for healing. Nothing happened. Our group finished, we said goodbye, we said we hope we had a good week, we told Becca to take some paracetamol and thought nothing of it. On Wednesday, we met as a group and went through the whole of our Bible study. Then when it came to the prayer, Becca said, pretty casually, oh, by the way, thanks for the prayer for my shoulder, I haven't had any pain since. (laughs) What? She even moved house in the past two weeks and had been carrying heavy stuff up and down the stairs and it hadn't been painful at all. What? And honestly, I thought, oh my goodness, I have a miracle story from my session. (laughs) Honestly, I did. (laughs) And then I prayed for forgiveness. Um, (laughs) And then I actually went home and reflected on this and realised... A, I'm very bad at, you know, grasping stories from my own. But B, how beautiful it is to be part of a community who can have faith for one another. Like, I had next to zero faith that Becca was going to have a healed shoulder. But Paul, Paul walked across the room and prayed for healing, and it happened. When my faith was lacking, the collective prayers of our group, the kindness of God, led to Becca's shoulder being better. What if she hadn't said anything that night? We wouldn't have prayed. We wouldn't have experienced the joy alongside her. Later in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which include the gifts of miracles, healing, and faith, 
all in the context of community. I'm going to read some of the verses for us. They're not going to be on the screen because it was a bit long, but I'm going to read it in the message because I really love the simplicity and the power of the language. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 and 11, 4 to 11 in the message translation. So I'll just read it out for us. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it, everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, that's the gift of faith, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. All of these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one spirit of God. As well as believing in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can specifically invite God to pour out gifts amongst us in our community. Not for our benefit, but because to use the words I've just read, God himself is behind it all. And so we're going to finish this time together with some more questions, the final ones. Um, what gifts has God already given you guys as a church? What gifts do you want to pray for as your community? And are there specific gifts you see in specific people? And I'd invite you to share them with one another. And then once we've done this, um, in groups, I'd love us just to pray for one another or pray for community together. Um, for the gifts that you want to receive, for the gifts you're already seeing, for the way the Holy Spirit is at work. And then at the very end, I'll come up and pray over us all. So if you want to take time just to chat this through and then pray for one another afterwards. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you dwell in us. And... God, I really ask for Proximity Church that you will abundantly pour out your spirit in them, that they will experience so much of your gifts in their midst. God, I ask that you will give them the faith, you'll give them the courage, that God, you'll help them to really sense you, experience you in new ways as they live to serve their community. Equip them, God, for the things that are ahead. And Holy Spirit, we boldly ask for your miracles. We boldly ask for your healings. We boldly ask for more of you to come and invade our spaces and help us to step out in faith and in courage. Thank you so much, Spirit, that you are here. Help us to go now into the places and spaces we find ourselves for the rest of our day in, and know more of who you are and what you do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Joe. Wasn't that great?
you know, when, when you talk about uh, God makes all things work together for good, and you think of where Joe started with us this morning, coming from a place of vulnerability and maybe feeling a little bit disheartened or a bit, you know, disappointed, and how I feel so encouraged right now, actually, from that space. So thank you so much, Joe, for everything that you brought to us. And obviously, this is not a conversation that ends in this room. Um, please do, I was really encouraged by that question, where do you see gifts in people, in, you know, around you? Maybe you thought of people in your house church, maybe you thought of people in this room today, share that with them. You know, go up to them and say, I think God's given you this gift, um, because that's so encouraging. Um, I would feel encouraged if anyone wanted to say anything to me about any of my <laughs> giftings. So yeah, this is not a conversation that ends uh, today. Do, do continue to dwell on this stuff. You'll be able to listen back to Joe um, on, through the website, through the podcast, um, however you listen to that. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. And it's not a conversation that ends because we carry on next month. We still desire more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we're going to keep talking about this. We're going to keep listening. We're going to keep learning. So next month, we're continuing our 24-7 Prayer Legends Tour. <laughs> we've had Ian, we've had Joe, and then we'll have Brian next, next month. Um, I think right now he's in Melbourne, Australia, and next month he'll be in Stanford of Hope, Essex. So, so um, yeah, thank you so much, Joe. Keep going, everyone. Good job. Bye-bye.